Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. This is a Web Canopy Studio production. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves, everybody. How are you doing? John and Tim are here. Tim, say hi. Dropping the Gloves Playoff Edition. This is is that what we're calling it now? Playoff Edition. Well, it's not playoffs technically. It's play-in play play edition. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to work that with their stats. If these count for playoff stats or are these just stats that just go away? I don't understand that. I, I saw that. Uh, they. I forget which group is in charge of that, but I think the NHL basically said this will count towards playoff stats. Oh, I don't know if I – do you agree? So will these count towards Con Smythe votes then? I don't know. I guess so. Because if you win Con Smythe scoring and you've played five more games, does that count? Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. Yeah. And, like, if you're setting records for points during the playoffs and you beat Gretzky by one point, you've played five more games, what happens then? That's true, John. I know. I just little things like that. I'm just, my, my brain never stops. It's just unbelievable. I'm on a different plane than you are. It's, it's amazing. Sometimes I just pinch myself. I'm so blessed. So lucky. (laughs) But anyway, so we have some games that were played. Let's just get right into it. I'm just tired of the non hockey talk. We finally have talk hockey and that's why we're doing three episodes a week. There's so much stuff going on. We just, we figured out, we got to do, we got to, up the ante. So we're doing three episodes a week and we'll just try to cover everything because it's just for a first game, four months layoff. It was pretty entertaining hockey. It was a blast. I I was watching hockey all day, Saturday and Sunday. It was just nonstop on the TV. It was really, really, really entertaining. So let's just jump right to it. Let's just recap all the games. Then I just want to go through a little preview and then in a review of what we just saw. So, all right, Calgary versus Winnipeg. We didn't know what to expect. These are two evenly matched teams, good forwards, decent back end, good goaltenders. I I thought Winnipeg had the edge in the goaltending department, but obviously I was wrong. So the thing that stood out, obviously the Kachuk hit. What is your take on that, Tim? We haven't spoken about this, so I don't know how you're going to go. What is your take on that hit? I thought it was not intentional. I don't really see, if you're looking at this objectively, how you can think it would be intentional. It was such a bang-bang play. It was quick. I mean, there's no way that Kachuk or anyone else in the league would intentionally try to cut someone's leg like that. And and this is, I have a hard time believing it just based on watching the video that that would be the case. So uh, just just a fluke accident, nothing more. I don't think it's a fluke. I I will agree with you that he's not trying to cut his leg, but just the angle that he took on that play, 99% of the players in the league would have bailed out if they were Kachuk they would not have followed through and even tried to stick a leg out to try to clip him I'm not saying he's trying to cut his leg 
but he definitely wasn't trying to avoid collision with him. And Shifley's in a vulnerable position. He's not dangerous. He's going into the boards face first, and they're in the neutral zone. It's not like he's going to score or he's a threat. Kachuk is doing this as a predator, and he's trying to lay a hit on him, which is fine. But when Shifley turns away, you need to bail out and go on your way. And he doesn't do that. He tries at the, until the last possible moment to, to get contact with him. And he sticks his leg out. Inadvertently or not, he puts himself in that position. So this is completely on Kachuk. And he won't get suspended because I just don't think the intense, you can say, oh, yeah, he meant to do it. But his mentality is, I'm going to get a lick on this guy. And there's only a handful of guys who follow, follow through on that play. It's him. It's Wilson would do that. It's Reeves would do that. Like he really, 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 really wanted to hit Shifley. And he did. And he's injured. And Shifley's day to day. He's I, who knows how he's going to be, how long he's going to be out. But this is a big hit. And I, the, the full, the full blame is on Kachuk. And because he's a repeat offender, he's developed this reputation in a short time in the league it's it's just a brutal play. And Paul Maurice, the, the coach of the Winnipeg Jets, nailed it head on. He's like, this is a disgusting hit. And he, he doesn't stand by it. And, of course, the Flames are going to stick by their player. But I think it's it's just a gross hit. I, I don't like it, especially when you're trying to protect these star players and you have guys like this running around and taking out star players. And I agree with you. It wasn't premeditated. But this is what this guy does. And I don't see how you can just look at this hit and be like, oh, it was an accident. I didn't mean to do it. Brody, buddy, we've seen it time time and again. If that's me, I'm Kachuk, and I'm following Shifley into the boards. I'm not doing everything I can to like get 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 a piece of him. I'm bailing out, and I'm just going on my way. So I don't know what what are your thoughts on that? What I just said. Well, I, I see why you say that, and I think it's like we were kind of starting to say like this stuff just follows Kachuk, right? So it's just like if it's not one thing, it's another, and, and he plays the game on that on that line on that edge. I do have to give him credit for uh, answering the bell with Wheeler. Did you see the two tussled after the fight? Yeah, Wheeler's not exactly a f- tough guy. Now, if Lowry would have asked him to go, that would have maybe didn't been a different story. But, yeah, good for him answering the bell. It was a decent wrestling match. But, yeah, it's um, it's just sad. Like, it, it completely changes the dynamic of this series. Gone is Shifley, the Winnipeg Jets' best player, their most dangerous player, and the advantage completely swings towards Calgary. So it's, it's just too bad. So that, that aside, line is out too. He kind of ran into Girardi and went awkwardly into his board, into the boards and his left wrist or hand, who knows what it is, but got banged up pretty good. So if you miss Shifley and now line is out, you're, you're done, right? Don't you think? Yeah, you have to be. If those two guys miss anything more, like anything more than a game, uh, which I think definitely Shifley will, who knows about line. It's not looking good for the, for the Jets. So the one silver lining for the Jets is five on five, they, they won that game one nothing. If they clean up their special teams, they gave up a shorthanded goal. They gave up two power play goals and an empty net goal. So it's not like they were dominated five on five. Calgary can have some solace in that when they're regrouping, getting ready for game two. We can say, you know what? We beat them five on five. Let's try to play that, stay out of the box, and we'll be fine. So who knows? Who knows what happens with that, that game coming up? All right, moving on. Montreal-Pittsburgh. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wow. Timmy boy. Wow. Did not expect this. Did not see this coming. Um, yeah, gosh, this is, to me, this is the, the biggest upset of the, of the tournament so far. There was a couple, but this one, yes, definitely takes a cake as the biggest one to date. So what, what did your, did you watch the game? First of all, 
I did. I did. Uh, a couple quick notes. Um, I really liked Price's game. He looked sort of like his old self. Um, and I'm going to talk about a couple other veteran goaltenders uh, from this weekend as well. But Price looked good. And I guess I hadn't, I've heard these names. I don't think I've actually watched some of the kids. Um, Suzuki, is that his name? Is really yeah. good. And they have another kid who's some European kid. I'm, I'm just blanking on his name. I won't be able to pronounce it anyway. But it, it seemed like the, the youth movement is starting to happen in Montreal, where they were kind of stuck in purgatory for a few years. Now they're starting to see this reblossoming of young talent that, I mean, they're not going to go on a serious run this year. But so far, game one, it looked good. Yeah, I was – what jumped out off the page for me was – or off the screen, I mean, when I was watching it was I feel like the first two lines – kind of played themselves to a, a deadlock, you know, a tie, which was which was very strange because I figured the Crosby line would have dominated and Malkin would have dominated too. But neither of those lines really stood out and then the Gallagher line kind of didn't do much. The Joel Armia line with Nick Suzuki and Jonathan Drouin, they were really, really good. And sometimes that wheel was on their line too. That Joel Armia, I played with them for a cup of tea and gosh, where was it? I don't even know. Buffalo maybe? He's a solid player. Every time I, I watched, every time I looked out there, he had the puck. He was controlling the play. He was making good, smart decisions with the play. And Suzuki was just buzzing up and down the ice, getting good body checks on guys. He had a sweet snipe, far side shelf. Like it was, They were really, really jumping off the, the ice for me. And, and I did not expect that. They're good players, but, man, did they control that game. And, they, and maybe this is it. They're playing against the fifth and sixth D matchup for the Penguins. And Jack Johnson – and Justin Schultz, they did not look too good. Like, they, they had seen better days. And mind you, they're not great defensemen at this point in their careers, but they look slow. They looked really, really slow. Jack Johnson shoves Cook and Emmy into the net and creates goal number one. And then Suzuki burns them and go, well, Dumoulin made a bad pinch on the second goal. But yeah, he did. They just look slow. And, man, did they, they expose Pittsburgh for, for what they were on the back end. It's kind of slow and just not – Barring their top couple guys in Marino and Latang, like they struggled. And Pittsburgh just looked kind of, you know, they were a step behind. They weren't winning the puck races. A few guys, obviously Crosby's going to bring his A game always, and Russ looked good, and Shiri looked okay. But Gensel didn't look great. Malkin didn't look great. I didn't notice him too much out there. He just looked lackadaisical. So, and whoa, all right. What are your thoughts on the penalty shots? Yeah. Um, just two of the worst penalty shots ever taken on the biggest stage, right? I mean, one was late in the third, one was in overtime, both chances to win the game, and one missed the net. The other, he whiffed on the puck completely. Is that is that right? Yeah, Duran didn't even get a shot. He was trying to go back in, and he just like he just missed it. I don't understand, man. If if he would have missed, and Pittsburgh would have scored in the overtime right after that, talk about just a heel for the uh, rest of the series. But anyways, he lucked out. Petrie scored a pretty nice game winner. And uh, Montreal squeaks one out. That This is an interesting series. If Price can play this way for the rest of the series, this is a very, very tight series. He had 39 saves. And Murray didn't play bad, but just Price played very, very, very well. All right, let's move on. Florida versus the Islanders. I thought this was a goaltender matchup. This would, all, These two goaltenders played great. Bobrovsky was back to his stellar stud self, and Varlamov played very, very well. I feel like this is a theme in these first few games, the power play, the special teams. That's what I noticed. That's the power play. The one that's clicking is the one that's going to win the game. The Islanders scored the power play goal. It's a good, good defensive battle. The coaches know what they're doing, and they got the win because they got that second power play goal. So we'll see how it plays out. It was a very tightly contested battle. Not a lot of scoring chances. 
not a lot of open ice. So I don't know. This one's a toss up. This is the closest series out of all the series that'll be played in the first play in around, but I don't know. Anything else jump out, jump out at you, Tim? The only thing that jumped out was Ekblad, Ekblad's play. He made some big plays at both ends of the ice in the offensive zone and some defensive. Uh, broke up a nice two-on-one in the thing in the first period. Brought up the question, and maybe we can save this for another time, bigger conversation. But do you think he's a potential future Norse candidate? Well, gosh, he's he's been in the league long enough. It's not like this is his first or second year. He's been around a while. But I just don't think he has that offensive side to his game to warrant a Norris vote. I think as a Norris winner, you have to put up 60, 70 points. I don't think he can do it. And he might have put up 67. I just don't see him as that offensive threat the other guys are, the the Carlsons, the, all those guys, you know, the Hedmans, the Burns, the Dowdies, the, the Latangs. Those guys put up some numbers, and I just don't think he has that side of his game to him. Yeah, just just a quick hit. 41 and 67 this year, so they're probably 50-55 plays in, pace in a full season. So he might yeah. not be too, too far. But that not might too far, the best. but it doesn't, doesn't put him in the elite conversation, just just below. If, the, if you're picking three guys, he might get nominated one year, but I, I just don't see him there just yet. And he has yeah. time to kind of, you know, make up, make up for that little deficit. He scores 55 points. It's not really a deficit, but he's not in the elite, elite, elite level like those other guys are. All right, going from a defensive battle – in Florida and the Islanders to just, just a free for all Chicago, Edmonton. It was just, who wants a goal? Come and get some. Anybody, anybody want a goal? Do you want one, Tim? Because we're just giving them away. (laughs) It was, it was everything we thought it would be and more. It was a very entertaining game. Chicago jumps out to an early lead, gets out four to one. Edmonton tries to squeak its way back. Chicago shuts the door to six, two, and then Edmonton scores a couple late, late, late goals that don't mean anything. Were you as shocked as I was at how, how this game went? I was texting with you through the whole game. I'm like, when are they going to pull Mike Smith? What's going yeah. on? Why aren't they pulling Mike Smith? They waited too long to get him out of the net. You can't wait to give up the fifth goal to get him out of the net. They should have pulled him after 3-1 to change that momentum. What, what is your, what's your thoughts on this, this game? Yeah, definitely 3-1. If not, at least you don't start the third period with him. So the fact that he went in at least four or five, I mean, that's just a huge coaching mistake there. I'm not really sure what the thinking was. Um, But, yeah, I I wouldn't say I was shocked by this because we all know what the Blackhawks were capable of, right? And we also knew that the Oilers didn't want to play these guys. I was It was kind of cool to see uh, Kubelik, really. I hadn't seen much of him this year. He put up five points and some big, big goals, uh, big assist on on Tay's goal. I mean, he he left Jonathan Tay's alone in the slot in the middle of the net. He had time to yeah. wind up and shoot it. Like, how do you do that? On a five-on-five play, I don't think that was even the power play. Um, so, yeah, it was good. It also prompted a question. I was watching both this game and the Pittsburgh game, and I put a poll up. I don't know if you saw this. I said, basically, who you got? I was trying to think of, like, do I want to subcategorize this or just throw out a poll for a player comparison? I said, Duncan Keith versus Chris Letang. Who do you have there? Who'd well, you- Duncan Keith by far. Really? I thought it would be closer. He, he got about 60 or 70% of the votes. I thought that would be pretty close. No, Duncan Keith by far. Latang is good, but he's not Duncan Keith good. Not even close. Not even uh-huh. close. But anyways, what, what did we say going into this series? If Chicago can stay out of the box, yeah. they'll have a chance. And I was worried. Edmonton got that early power play goal, but then Chicago settled in. They stayed out of the box for the most part. They After that first penalty, they only had a couple more. And they started to get into their game. And when you play five on five with Edmonton, you realize their defense is not very good. And I said this before the series, if Chicago stays out of the box and they play five on five, they will have a very, very good opportunity winning this series. And what else did I say? This will come down to Kubelik, 
versus Yamamoto. Kublik was on fire. Him, Taves, and Saad, that line, it was they were unstoppable. Yeah. They did whatever they wanted. They had what did Kublik had two, Taves had two, Saad had two. I think they combined for something silly like 10, 11, 12 points in one game. They looked like they were playing men against boys. It was just very aware. It's very well, I don't know what the word is. They just looked like they were having their way with the Edmonton defense. It was crazy. Kublik was blowing by guys. He was using his body. Taze was just being so patient. Sod is a man. He is a man. Like he, you can't control him. This is the side Chicago wanted when they trade him for Panarin. Like they, it was a very, very, very good first impression for a first game four month layoff. Yeah, it was good. And, and I think Crawford, that was a big question. And the first goal you let up was, I mean, honestly, it's Connor McDavid. It's hard to fault him for it, but it's probably a goal that you, you want the goalie to save. Yeah. Um, I think it was kind of like, uh-oh, you know, he's pretty uh, rusty. And when McDavid gets going, you're not going to be able to stop him. But they buttoned down, they buckled down, got some big goals early to come back and pretty much took over the rest of the game, except for, like you said, some some late uh, third-period garbage goals where they were playing with six skaters, but not enough to, to sway the game. Again, the power play is the, is the difference in this one. Chicago had three power play goals. When you get three power play goals, you're going to win the game. Like that, that's just, there's no ifs, ands, or buts around that. So, so we'll see what happens in game two. Obviously, Smith will not get the start. We'll see the other Edmonton goalie. Crawford played well, other than that first little hiccup. Chicago's D was serviceable. They played decent. DeHaan moved the puck well. Murphy was all over the ice. Like they played decent. I don't know. If, if this is the Blackhawks you're going to get throughout the playoffs, I'm a little worried if I'm um, one of those top seeds in the West because I don't, I don't want to play this team. Because Chicago would be the eighth seed coming into the first round. And if I'm jockeying for seeds out of those four teams, like, do I really want to play Chicago first round? I don't know. That's a, that's a big kind of pill to swallow. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. And any new car, Tim, big van. You got a lot of people to drive around. Now, here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is... That auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the promo code JohnScott20 or deal-dash.fm backslash John Scott 20. That's deal-dash, D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash John Scott 20. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. 
see what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Rangers in Carolina. I was happy to see Hank at the start. Yep. I think it was well, well warranted. He played well, but like I said before, the special teams, it just, it just, I, I, I'm, I know I'm beating a dead horse. Carolina had a, a power play goal. And that was, that was the thing that changed the whole game. Sebastian Ajo, but it was, it was a pretty evenly contested game. I, I don't really think anything stood out. There was a nice little scrap with Williams and uh, Strom set the tone for the series maybe, but like Carolina threw shots on Hank. And our New York generated some decent, decent scoring chances. But, man, the parade to the penalty box in this one was incredible. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Was there were so many penalties. It was insane. The Rangers couldn't generate anything on their power play. I don't know why, if they didn't really practice it during a layoff. But they need to button up that. If they get a couple decent chances, Panarin really wasn't that dangerous out there. Zabinijad had a decent game. But, I don't know. The Rangers need to do some work. And they're playing right now as we speak. And they're losing 3-1. to one. So, if they lose that game and they lost game one, say goodnight, Irene. So, anyway, anything on this one? Uh, yeah, I, I was happy to see Henrik at the start. And he, he played pretty well, better than the score indicated, I think, in game one. He made some big, big saves. He, he bailed the defense out of a couple of man rushes. Um, but you could tell he's just he's just lost a little bit of a step. He's, he's not as quick as he was a few years ago. He and, had 39 saves. Yeah, no, he was good. But some of the saves weren't. Uh, great. The, the, the big thing for me was Carolina's young kids. Uh, Sveshnikov, Teravine, and Ajo, like, they're just so much fun to watch. So flashy, so creative. They're doing lots of fun things out there. Um, and they're just having a blast while they're doing it. So seeing those guys kind of really shine against an older Rangers team that has a little bit more experience is really cool to see. And like, like you said, they're up 3-1 to one right now. And if they go up 2 nothing in the series, there's no way they don't wrap that up. Yeah, Hank got the start again for this game. If they lose, he's he's going to be out. They're going to get that other young kid in there. But it's uh, yeah, Carolina's a good team. Like I said, they throw pucks at the net. They overwhelm you. They're very very fast on the forecheck. They're just a good team. It's possible really the team. game that's on TV right now is the last game he ever plays for the Rangers. Last game he plays. Period. You never know. Yeah, you you actually think about that a lot when you're like Mike Smith. He got pulled. Is that his last game in an NHL uniform? There's a good chance it is. All right, moving on. Arizona Nashville. A little, a semi-upset, semi-upset, four to three, they won the game. I don't know. I don't really have anything to say about this. This is kind of one of those series that was just like, yeah, the Coyotes played well. I'm glad they won. I'm glad they won. Whatever. Yeah. What do you What do you think? Anything? No, nothing crazy. I didn't watch this one, uh, but I love to see Arizona win. I like to see the underdog come ahead, especially when there's no dog in the fight for you. I uh, was surprised by it. And then what do you think about, about Saros getting the start over Renee? Oh, actually, I meant to bring that up. I think it's warranted. He played well, but every other team that had a goaltending battle or they didn't know who they were going to play, they, they started the veteran. Now, right. it didn't work out in anybody's case. Smith got shelled. Murray lost. So, yeah, they, they, they started the young guy and they lost. We'll see where they come back in game two. But I, I don't think it would have done anything because I, I saw the goals. None of them were really egregious. He played well. You know, Coyotes had decent amount of pressure. It, it was a pretty even game. So, I don't fault him for that. He still had 33 saves. Kemper played really well. He had 40 saves for Arizona, but that'll be a, that'll be a close series. I see that one going five games. All right. 
let's get on to the Canadian teams. These, these were two really, really, really good games. Leafs and Columbus. Wow. Are you nervous if you're a Leafs fan right now or a Leafs player? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, God, I was seeing some of the Leafs Twitter last night. And it was, I had to like turn it off. It was unbearable. It was entertaining, but it's all just like pathetic too. What they're were they saying? Out. They're freaking out. They are freaking out about like uh, underperforming teams. They're complaining about the refs. They're complaining about the penalties <sighs> called. They're complaining about missed opportunities. And, and I think a big thing was they got out-muscled. Yeah. Uh, off the puck. They got pushed around a little bit by a team that's just willing to go into the dirty areas a little harder than they are. John Tortorella should win the Jack Adams Ward based on this game in itself. He had a perfect game plan. He clogged up the neutral zone. He made the Leafs enter. If they were going to enter his zone, it was on the outsides. And if you're trying to create offense and you're a wheeling, dealing type of team like Toronto is, and you're entering on the sides, on the wings, that cuts off a third of the ice. Because there's no way you're going to do a, a pass across the ice through three or four guys and sticks and, and stake, skates and this like that to a guy on the far side. It just, it just makes it so, so hard. And Torts, I know, he did this when I played with him in New York. He never lets you enter the ice through the middle. If you enter through the middle, it makes it so hard on the defenseman. They don't know which side you're going to. It opens up everything. If you're entering on the side – it's a completely different ball game that you can pinch guys off. You can close off the ice. You can just make it really hard. So the odd time Toronto did enter through the middle, they created chances. It was a different team, but I think they did it three or four times. Like it was very rare. So towards, he orchestrated his plan perfectly watching the highlights, watching the games. I think Columbus outchanced Toronto three to one. Like it, it wasn't even close. The goalies played well. Anderson played really well. I thought he, he had one of his better games in a long time. Like Bjorks, Bjorkstrand, Bjork, Bjorkstand, is that the guy's name? Bjorkstrand. I don't know what it is, but I, I'm butchering it. He, he should have had three, four, five goals, but Anderson stood on his head. So I don't know what Toronto has to do. They didn't generate that many chances. Matthews had a nice shot in the slot. There's a couple of rebound chances that maybe were grade A. Other than that, they were shut down. This juggernaut of offense just got completely outcoached and completely outbattled. And I don't know what you have to say to those guys to get them up for a game, but it, it didn't happen in game one. What, do you, what, do you, what are your thoughts, Tim? Yeah, I think you nailed it. When you talked about Torch's, uh, Torch's uh, Torch perfect game, that was it, right? Trying to win yeah. games one nothing, And he basically did. There was an empty net goal at the end. But he just, he just did everything that he, that he wanted to do. His team executed it perfectly, frustrated the heck out of the, the Maple Leafs. And I think you got a bunch of tweets online of people saying, you know, I saw you responding to some people about Torch's perfect game. That was definitely yeah. it. I, I do it's, want to say, did you see Corpusalo's save on Matthew's one timer in the slot? That's what I just said. It was it was a great save. Good position. He came incredible. out, he challenged, his glove was right there, boom. Like it was it was a great save. And yeah. and you were you were talking smack about Columbus's goaltenders, about Elvis and Corpusalo. You're like, who are they? They're gonna fold, they have no experience. No the guy's a gamer, he's a good goalie. Like a really, really, really good goalie. And he went toe-to-toe with Anderson and he came out ahead. So I'm liking my late, late game switch to Columbus. I really am. I think Toronto will win the next one. This will this will go five games, but Columbus, man, they played well. Well, we, that, we talked that, about Seth Jones quite a bit, but Borensky played a great game. I think you can make the conversation that they're the best deep pairing in the league right now. They're up there. We've they're made that conversation. I, I totally agree. I, I would put them against any two D in the league, one, two. 
Like there, there's a lot of good pairings around the league. Spurgeon, Suter, we'll get to them. There's a lot of good pairings, but man, are they good. And Seth Jones ripped one off the crossbar, little dangle from the point. He should have had one, but they just, they make it look so easy. That's, that's a scary thing with those guys. It doesn't even look like they're trying. And I love Torts before the game. Some reporter asked him, you know, is there, is there an ice limit on Jones? You know, are you going to hold him back? Cause he was coming back from an injury. And he's like, no, Jones, you'll play all day. He's fine. I love that about Torts. He just shoots from the hip. He doesn't care. He's like, no, he'll play, he'll play all day if I need him to. <laughs> it's like, it's all right, here we go. Played 30 minutes. Boom. One nothing Columbus. All right. So we went from uh, two really good goaltending performances to another one with the Wild and the Canucks. My guy, Al Stalock. First playoff win. First playoff shutout, obviously. He played great. He played lights out. He made the saves he had to. He wasn't tested too, too much. But he did have a couple, you know, grade A chances against. And he, he stepped up. He played unbelievable. And the other two guys we were talking about when we were recapping this series – Fiala and Spurgeon, could we have not done a better preview for this series to talk yeah. about two guys after the first game? Those two guys dominated the game. Tim? Yeah, I, I didn't know you were done talking about Yeah, they were unreal. Um, and Fiala is, like you said, one of those kids. He also reminds me of another name, uh, Eric Halla. I think he's in Vegas now. A similar, yep. young, young, speedy player, super creative, always doing cool stuff out there. Love Fiala, love Spurgeon. I did see some stuff training on Twitter. I didn't watch this game. This was a late night one. Um, a lot of people on Twitter were talking about just the, the frustrating style of play that the Wild have, where it's just kind of it's boring. It's it's very methodical. It's kind of chokes the other team. It's not gonna, it's not going to try to blow out teams. But they, do you know, like what do you what do you say to something like that? What's their style of game? Why is this? Why is it a frustrating for other teams' fans and other teams to to play against? Well, it's very similar to Columbus where. The Wild don't take many chances. They're not going to have their defensemen jump up in the play too often. They're not pinching at the blue lines very often. They're very calculated. They, they don't take risks when they don't have to. They know they don't have the horses to kind of run and gun, even with a team like Vancouver, who doesn't have that many grade-A guys, but they do, the Pedersons, the Bessers, the Horvats, those guys. So they play a very disciplined style of game, and it's frustrating to play against. And if you're a team who likes to get up and down the ice, you don't want to play a Minnesota Wild, who, just like Columbus, they clog the neutral zone. They make you dump it in. They make you go and get it. They make you score goals the hard way. And in this age of running and gunning and highlight reel goals and dangling and passes and really, really fun, fun, exciting hockey, Minnesota doesn't let you play that way. They want you to do everything really, really hard in order to score a goal. There's not any two-on-ones or three-on-twos or breakaways it's just they, do, they just don't give that up. So I, I can understand why fans are frustrated watching this style of game because it's not very enjoyable. There's no really exciting plays, but they won, man. They 3 nothing. That's how you win in the playoffs. And Minnesota will win this series based on that. I said it. They have the veterans. They played this way for a long time. Miku Koivu played great. Zach Parisi played great. Jared Spurgeon played great. Sutter played great. All these guys know how to play the game because they've been doing it forever. And it's frustrating to watch. It's frustrating for Vancouver. But if you watch the chances, Minnesota had all the grade A chances. They had breakaways. They had two-on-ones. Stahl should have had a few goals. Fiala hit him with a nice two-on-one pass. He hit him with a breakaway pass. Like They had all the grade A chances because they just waited for Vancouver to get frustrated and give them, give them chances. And they did. Vancouver got frustrated. They tried to open up too much. And Minnesota was like, thank you. Two-on-one, breakaway, three-on-two, all these, all these odd man rushes against they, they played their game perfectly. And Al, he made the stays when he needed to, but he wasn't overwhelmed. 
Like it's not like they had these massive zone times where they're just wearing down the Minnesota wild. No, Vancouver was very pedestrian when it came to the four check, when it came to just grinding down Minnesota's D just really making it hard on Minnesota. They didn't at all. Minnesota kind of had their way with the Canucks. It was, it was a really entertaining game to watch as a fan because I watched most of it and it was just a really well executed game by Minnesota. It really, really was. I think they, they played, they played their game. Fiala was flying. Jared or Stahl had a great game. Parisi had a great game. It was just a really entertaining game. So congrats to Minnesota. Congrats to Columbus. I think fans don't like watching that style of hockey, but man, does it win? It wins in the playoffs because you can't just lean on your scoring. You really can't when you have time to match up against players and lines. Anyways, we'll talk to Al. I, I was texting with him. We'll have him on maybe this week, maybe next week. But, uh, yeah, we'll have him on to get his take on everything. So anyways, we've ran through all the games. Very entertaining. We'll get through all of them next uh, – I think we'll do it on Wednesday, maybe. I don't know. We're, we're kind of just kind of feeling this out the first round to see how many episodes. We might have to go every day. You never know. So, hey, Tim, on an overall first few games, what are your thoughts? What what stood out to you from all the teams, all the games? Anything that you want to share with everybody? So, yeah, I think overall, the product is pretty good. I mean, the, I think the conditioning was there. What, like you said, one of the things that wasn't quite there was the timing and maybe the, the, the stick handling after a long break like that, some of the stuff that you need to get back. Um, and, and I only watched a handful of games from start to finish, and they were on all day. The Bruins, for example, which we didn't touch on, really doesn't have a lot of implications for who wins this little this round robin, but Bruins lost to Philadelphia. What was quite apparent was the ice wasn't great, and I saw a lot of tweets about that. A lot of the pucks hopping over guys' stick. And was it the ice? Was it just them being a little bit sloppy and rusty? Maybe a little bit of that, of both. Um, but the ice wasn't great, but the conditioning was. And there's great physicality there. You did notice in the in the, the round-robin games, like the Bruins one, guys were less likely to jump in front of a shot than they were in the playing games, where they had much more, you know, much heavier implication whether you win or lose, right? Did you notice that at all? Yeah, um, it, it's yeah, like you said, there's not as much implications. It doesn't really matter if you get the first to the fourth seed. All the teams you're going to play are good, especially with this this system. Pittsburgh could come in and play; they could be the fifth seed. So it doesn't really matter really where you end up. So yeah, you're not going to break a leg or break a foot jumping in front of a shot. But they were still entertaining games. Boston looked shaky. They missed Halak, or they missed uh, Rask. Halak they looked did. garbage. Hopefully, um, Rask is better. Would he break his finger or something? I don't know. I don't know. All they said was unfit to play. Yeah, he broke his finger. I don't know how he broke it. I think it was during practice or something. But hopefully he gets back. They looked old. They looked very, very old. Every well, the top bit, line wasn't there at all. Yeah, every bit of their age. Char looked terrible. Bergeron, Marshawn, those guys, they they need some time. Very, they're, they're very, very happy that this doesn't count these games because they need some time to work in a form. But I don't know. My takeaway is the the special teams. They were the game changers in every single game. I think every game had a power play goal score, maybe two, maybe three. So teams will go back and they'll really focus on special teams. There's a lot of shorthanded goals too, which comes from not playing. You're lazy. Things happen. It'll be interesting to see who starts for goaltenders. The Rangers already went with uh, Hank. They're down four to one. Looks like they're going to lose. There's only four minutes left here. So it'll, it'll be interesting. It, it's definitely entertaining hockey, which I was unsure of. But it is. It's up and down. The pace is good. I didn't notice anything with the ice. I didn't see that Bruins-Philly uh, game that much just because I didn't really have any weight and I didn't really care about it. So, I don't know. I think everyone's doing a really good job. We're going to talk to Nathan Gerby this week. We'll talk to Al. We'll kind of feel out how the bubbles are. We'll get Patrick Sharp on after the first round, get his take on how things are. So, 
a lot of exciting things in store for you guys listening. And um, yeah, we hope we'll put on a put on a good couple episodes. Tim, what do you think? It was good. I just, it's just great to have hockey on all day, every day, right now. This is the third day in a row where there's like four or five. I think this is the most. There might be six games today. So it's just. It's crazy. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I'm working from home like most people are and just have these games on all day. It's a blast. Yeah, there's Jets, Flames, Capitals, Lightning, Stars, Golden Knights, Canadians, Penguins, Hawks, and Oilers. Like, there's a lot to talk about. So we'll try to keep these episodes coming out fast and furious. I might have to do a few solo episodes because kids, Tim's so busy. He's got such a busy <laughs> life. But anyways, everybody, I hope you're staying safe and you're enjoying hockey. Finally. And your team's winning, and your team wins the Stanley Cup. Oh, after the first first round, Tim, who's going to win the Cup? Quick, quick take. Um, still the Bruins. Still the Bruins, even after their dismal performance. All right, sounds yeah. good. What about you? All right, about what about me? Um, uh, oh man, I'm going to go with the Avalanche. They look pretty solid. Yeah, I mean Carolina though they're they're playing well. They're playing the Rangers. Let's just pump the brakes on the Carolina Hurricanes. But anyways, we'll have to revisit our picks. I can't remember who we picked for the first round of games. All right, Tim. Well, I will talk to you soon, my friend. Everybody stay safe. Enjoy hockey. Enjoy your loved ones. Cheers. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at dropping underscore gloves for episode highlights, behind-the-scenes content, sneak peeks, and giveaways. Check out johnscottallstar.com slash shop for merchandise including t-shirts hats hoodies and so much more and please please leave a review on apple Podcasts. it's so important to helping us grow so we can keep delivering the hockey content and interviews with the players you love thanks and see you next time